Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to the Strive for Strength podcast. Oh, I have a massive honor today um, sitting in front of such a wonderful human being who's just recently come into my life, but honestly, so much has changed, um, even just in the short time that it's been, um, I think, under a month, right, Reef? So, um, yeah. yeah, so Reef, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Man, it's funny you say that because uh, you say you're honored. I'm probably equally as honored, if not more, because I get to sit in front of Kendall's. So uh, I guess it's mutual, right? <laughs> Beautiful. Guys, I can already tell you right now, we're going to walk away with so many gold nuggets today, which I'm so stoked about. Um, honestly, Reef, even just what I've been able to accomplish since, you know, we've kind of um, put our heads together and you've come into my life has been so dope. And I think even if you can just give the people even a fraction of that, oof, blessed, blessed. Um, cool, Reefle. I'll do my best. I can't make any promises, right? But I'll do my best. I'll try. Sure. <laughs> cool, well, Reef. I would love for you to let the people know who you are, what you do, where you come from. Yeah, okay. I, uh, yeah, I love that. And I, I have to say that in the uh, month that I've gone to meet you, Kendall, a uh, month and a half or so, uh, incredible impressed by you right you're proudless um you're business savvy um you're pushed and this isn't like you're just getting into this you, you've been at this for uh quite a bit now and i think that's amazing to see somebody at i hate to say the word age because really it's not your age it's your experience that defines you but at your age most people aren't doing what you're doing even at 30 or 40 or 50 so it's really impressive and beyond impressive when you consider your age group right like I, I'm very, I'm very astonished by you and I admire you and I look up to you. So yeah, I'll start with that. If that's okay. <laughs> I appreciate you so much. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I appreciate you so much. Um, so on my end, um, my name is Reef Coleman. Uh, I currently run a sourcing firm and I help people scale their business and buy back time by founding them outsourced professionals with a company I created called WeAssist.io. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks. I don't know if you want me to tell my life story yet or if that's next or how that goes. Or... My my biggest question for you is like, where where did all this start? Like you, you know, stepping into this power and like creating such an amazing company and, you know, what you do with entrepreneurship. And honestly, too, one thing I just want to touch on is the fact that you've brought together such like a wonderful group of people here in San Diego and I can tell that you really love the connectivity with like-minded people um, and just you know growing and scaling so for you like where where did that all start off yeah great thank you for that great insight and thank you for appreciating that I uh <laughs> I love podcasts because I feel like there's such like a ego boast right <laughs> really feed the id when it's starving um yeah I'd have to say uh I, I'm, I'm very large on community right um I'm very much uh, a believer that the five people you hang out with the most or your tribe defines you. So the people you hang out with are literally what you become. Um, and I, I'm very selective with the people I have around me. Uh, most people uh, will, will be upset. I recently had a situation with a friend where I, I have separated myself a little bit and it's mainly because of, again, energy, right? Like I have a certain amount of time, the most precious commodity we have and own is time. And where we invest that time, where we place that time really defines us. And your life is nothing more than a series of choices. So if I'm choosing, I have to be very, very wise in my choices. And there's a, a book called Principles by Ray Dalio that I absolutely love and recommend to everyone and anyone. And it's about setting a principle set towards making your choices, right? what principles do you have your five key questions that guide you through your choices right uh, is it is it i want to make a better future is it love is it your career what are the five questions that you must ask yourself before making any choice to move forward right um that that's helped me tremendously in building my business building my life uh, right now, I'm on a huge inner self-walk of the ego and the id, trying to release all ego and all id as possible, as much as possible. Um, and in doing that, also rewriting the stories of my past, right, of my, of my self-script. Um, and that's also helped me tremendously. So instead of looking at the past as, um, <clears throat> I remember when this negative action happened and it shaped me like this, reshaping that to, I am this type of person now because of my trials and tribulations, right? Um, there's subtle changes, but even the subtle changes in your vernacular make a big difference because they're essentially how your brain speaks to itself, right? 
Um, for anybody out there that uh, doesn't know, like the higher and lower self, like your lower cognitive self is like the part of the brain that's like breathe, heartbeat, walk, right? Just motor function. Uh, and the higher brain is the um, cognitive self, right? Uh, so that's like the thinking, the feeling, the emotion, um, even like, for example, when you, uh, when you lose your keys, right, you're walking around the house and you're like, where did I leave my keys? Have you ever lost your keys, Kendall? All the time, almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> right? So like you have this conversation with yourself, like, what did I, where did I do? What did I, where is that? Right. Or have you ever been laying in bed and, uh, you have to get up and it's like the alarm goes off and you tell yourself, uh, five more minutes or, uh, rest a little bit longer. And then you have like this inner dialogue with yourself. Like, no, you need to get up now or, Hey, careful. And like, it goes back and forth. Uh, who are you talking to? Right. Like that is like yourself, right? Like your inner self, like your cognitive self. So that conversation that we have is very important. So I think that's very much, uh, helped me shape, uh, yeah, shape my reality, understanding what that conversation is like. And then trying to pick it apart and find out how I talk to myself. Am I kind to myself? Am I affirming to myself? Am I positive? Uh, is my script towards growth or is my script towards self-deprecation? Am I telling myself, Reef, you're so stupid, you forgot the keys? Or am I saying, oh, that happens. It happens to most people. That's okay. Unfortunate. But I should create a system around this so that it doesn't happen again. Remember to always place them in this corner of the house, no matter what. Um, and that I do now, right? There's like my entryway and that's like the station. I get in and get out station. I just put things right next to it. Um, I don't know if that answers the question or not. I, I apologize. I kind of have ADHD. So I just kind of. <laughs> that was so insightful. And I think honestly, I mean, it's cool to see like also just behind the mind of an entrepreneur, right? I feel like we all low key kind of have that thing in common where it's like we start off on one topic and it's like, you know what? I have so much in my brain about <laughs> But it just goes to show you like you know how you've shaped and i think that's so cool um and you know, obviously obviously our, our goal always is like building and creating more systems systems to make our lives easier you know um and i'm really grateful that you brought that up honestly because i know a lot of our listeners like for the most part are, are kind of stepping into you know should it, they have that inner dialogue where they're like should i start my business is this something I should be doing? How do I take the first step? And then the imposter syndrome kicks in and, you know, they kind of fall down like that rabbit hole of, of negative thoughts sometimes, um, which can really like take away from them, you know, wanting to, to start and propel their career. Um, and so, you know, for you, couldn't agree, more. couldn't agree more. I could not, I could not agree more with that. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So for you with starting off and kind of where you started, um, you know, with your journey with, you know, starting off as like an entrepreneur or even solopreneur, which I know we're going to dive so much further deeper into that <laughs> you know, with the podcast. But for you kind of starting off, um, you know, where, where did you start in terms of your headspace? Have you always, you know, had that clarity that you knew you wanted to like dive into this career path that you now have being your own business owner or where did that start for you? What a great question. Um, I, I'd have to say that uh, to your point, right? Um, I think you and I are very similar entrepreneurs in the sense that we're both very growth-minded. We both want the better the world somehow. We both want to impact the world in a huge way. I, I follow you religiously, and the way that you are on camera is very much how my brain operates also, right? I have a very, like, top of mind, top of thought come out brain, right? But it's fun. It's engaging, and people, like... It's so fun to watch you because it's like, man, this person is authentically being them, right? And it's like, uh, gives zero fucks about what anybody else thinks, right? Literally just, this is my reaction. Sorry, I don't know if I, can I cuss on this podcast? On this podcast, you can say. Oh, sick. Zero fucks then again, because that's one of my favorite words, right? Uh, so you just kind of, you just are. And in your existence, it's such a beautiful existence that it's like, people gravitate towards you, right? And I love that. And you have so much wisdom to drop when you do that. So it's very, it, it's very refreshing to see. Um, yeah, my journey. Yeah, I'd say my journey. Uh, you know what? I yeah, I, I think being born in Uruguay, South America. Well, that's going way back. Jeez. Um, yeah, being born in Uruguay, South America, in a different country really makes you appreciate this country, right? My mom left me with my grandma for the first five years of my life and uh, came here to the U.S. to work. My mom's is a savage. Uh, you actually remind me a lot of my mom. You have like that go-getter mentality. When I show you a picture, you're like, oh my gosh, we look really similar. It's nuts. Uh, uh, she came here with my dad when I was born and left me in Uruguay and worked three jobs and collected cans in South Central Los Angeles. Very sketchy area. Like 
very, very heavy area. And she was all about uh, her goals, right? She was going to win. My dad was kind of aloof, but my mom very much instilled like a heavy work ethic in me, right? Uh, we all have brokennesses, traumas that we deal with. And I think in the past, we really didn't have a lot of, uh, and by past, I mean like in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s, um, we really didn't have that like spiritual awakening slash uh, wokenness of self, self-dive, self-depth, right? Um, so we, I think, learned as sapiens to really cover a lot of our issues, right, uh, growing up. Uh, so my mom did the best job possible, but she, she grinded, right? And she created like a beautiful reality for me because of her, I am where I am today, um, thanks to where she left the platform. Right. And that's kind of that, that self script that I'm working on. What she did was beautiful. Not what she didn't do. Can't be angry at somebody for what they didn't accomplish for you, but what they did do for you. Right. Um, yeah. At age five, she went back to Uruguay, got us um, and paid uh, $10,000 to get us into the U S I was illegally smuggled into the U S right. Uh, 1991 or 1992, I believe 92 uh, and kind of incredible, like, at that time, it's $10,000 per person. My mom got myself, my uncle, her uh, across the border, her own self, right? 10K at that time was a lot of money for just one person. Uh, and she did it in, a, in a, like in Guatemala. She landed in Guatemala across the border down there, a river, very dangerous river, and then got into Mexico and then trekked through Mexico, I believe, three to six months. And in Mexico, there's a lot. If you get caught in Mexico, it's not like here where they slap your wrist. They actually put you immediately in six months of jail um, for being an illegal immigrant or being illegally in the, in the country. Very different uh, reality. Um, and when she got to the next border, uh, the coyotes, the coyotes, um, she had to pay off in order to get us in. Uh, and the, I guess like the, the moral to my mom, right? The power to my mom is um, uh, she, I was crying she says, and as I was crying, they put a gun to my mom's head and they said, drop the baby or we'll drop you. My mom chose not to drop me, like the mom that she is, right? The absolute savage. And you go at night walking through the desert and you're supposed to carry two jugs of water because you get thirsty. But since she was carrying me, she can only carry one jug. So she's splitting one jug between her and myself, half the water, twice the people, twice the mouths. Um, <clears throat> and now she's forced to follow the group 15 or 30 yards behind um, because I wouldn't stop crying. Man, I was just such a little bitch, you know? Uh, and <laughs> she, uh, her coming to the US story was that um, as she was walking the desert, she felt, uh, she felt a wisp or something touch her cheek as a hand, like the wind literally was a hand on her chin and it made her look over to the left. And as she looked over to the left, she saw the last silhouettes of people going over the horizon. They go at nightfall when the moon isn't out so that they can really blend in with the ground uh, at that time. And she says if she wouldn't have looked left and if that wind wouldn't have grazed her, uh, she would have walked completely into the desert and we would, have, we would both not be here, right? So my mom's an absolute fighter. And I only say that, I only tell the story uh, to express that my mom was really where my work ethic came from, right? She still works three jobs, uh, absolute grinds and cranks. Um, and I think that that has instilled a work ethic in me that has really shaped where I am today. Right? That's, I think, the base, if you will. Um, however, there's a lot of people that work really, really hard and they don't really accomplish much because they're just stuck in this perpetual wheel, right? Of like, must do, must do, must do, must do. Um, I was lucky enough um, to go through high school and college here in the US, right? And in college, I met a wonderful individual by the name of Ian Blair, uh, who's a good friend of mine. I'm sure he would love to come on the podcast with you. You met him at dinner the other night. It's awesome. Yeah, what a, what a guy, right? They, that, that individual is an incredible human being, right? Um, his dad invented the Ethernet card, the way that every computer gets internet now. Uh, incredibly wise, incredibly smart human being, uh, and a very loving individual in his own way, right? He's very direct to you. Uh, and for the first time ever in my life, in college, I was working uh, four jobs and doing 16 units. So I was really pumping, right? Uh, and I was like absolutely like entrenched with work. Uh, him and I uh, took a little project on together where he wanted to build websites for companies. Uh, so we went to a little Indian restaurant and we sold our first uh, website to a lady by the name of Supri. 
And I just remember that that was like that journey into entrepreneurship, right? I'd always really kind of done entrepreneurship in one format or another. Because uh, as a young kid, I, I would go uh, through apartment complexes. We lived in an apartment complex, like 11 complexes wide, right? Right next to each other. And I would go running on the top uh, in the parking garage in the back of the parking stalls. There was a giant uh, flat that just covered the cars. And we built like makeshift bridges out of wooden planks. I remember a friend of mine, uh, his name was Art, I believe, Arthur, broke his arm because he fell off the plank and snapped his arm. Um, I would go by and I would pick up in the trash, grab stuff, clean it off, and I would sell it to people in apartment complexes for like five bucks, $10 here. And it got to be such, a, such an interesting thing that people would actually tell me, hey, I'm looking for this. When you find it, will you get it for me? So I started finding stuff and selling it. Complex A, I'd find it in the trash and sell it to Complex J. You know, someone over there would be like, hey, no way. And it would just be wiped down for them, right? Uh, so that's that was me at a, at a pretty young age. Uh, Pokemon cards, magic cards. I got really heavily into that and selling them. I did really, really well there. Uh, I would I would finagle and, and get one person and they'd say, hey, I want this card and I'd go find it somewhere else and make like 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 dollars. Uh, I would sell Pop Tarts at school. So I'd go to the 99 cent store and, and find Pop Tarts. And uh, uh, at the school, they sold them for $1.50 a unit. I'd buy the pack of six for a dollar. And then I would sell them for a dollar each. So I was making a huge turnaround. My little cousin did the same thing, but my little cousin did it so well that, uh, that, they, that they made a law on the campus saying you're not allowed to sell things anymore, right? So he's like uh, little savagelings, right? Um, yeah, and it, even like uh, before college, uh, I found myself going out and doing, uh, I'd work at, at a restaurant. And when I worked at the restaurant, I would go out to... You know what uh, carnivals are like uh, ED, EDC and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. like yeah. 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 Festivals. Thank you. Not carnivals. Carnivals like Brazil, right? Um, these festivals, I would I would go to Los Angeles and I would buy pacifiers uh, for fifty cents a unit, six dollars a dozen. The light up pacifiers. Yes. And the uh, finger lights were six dollars a dozen. So fifty cents a unit, right? Or, or twenty five cents a unit, whatever would have you. Um, and I knew where to get them. So I'd go to LA every other weekend whenever there was an event and I would buy boxes of it. And then I would go through the lines at EDC with a backpack on and sell them for $20 a unit. I, I got to a point where I was making three to eight grand a night, right? Just filling up my pockets. Uh, it got to a point where my pockets would get so filled with cash that I had to wear soccer socks and I would stuff my socks. Uh, and, and then, because I, I was losing time, right? I'd park far away. So I figured out, again, the processes, I figured out that my going from the line all the way to the truck to drop my money off and then come back to line, I was losing like 15, 20 minutes at a time. And that was just money where I, time where I wasn't making revenue. Uh, so I would try to find as many ways to be able to put money away as possible. Ended up having to hire a friend to sit at my truck every time I went to an event so that he would watch the money and be there, right? Um, so I'd pay him $300 and a bunch of weed and alcohol, and he would just get wasted and just sit there and protect the money, right? Uh, and they just, and then that time I worked at a restaurant, Olive Garden, uh, and I had a manager who I would pay to get, give me the weekends off. No, no one would have weekends off and I would pay him to have weekends off because I realized it was net positive for me, right? If I did this ROI positive. So I'd pay him 200 or $400 and people would complain, how come Reef gets weekends off? No one else has an off weekend and he gets them like every other weekend. And uh, he would just be like, hey, he has a medical condition or whatever he would say, right? Like, <laughs> just he, like he has time off, but I was just, I was paying him cash. So he didn't care, right? Um, yeah, that was, that was a pretty crazy season of my life, right? And I think that work ethic really helped me. And I've always been somewhat of a heavy working person. I just didn't have the knowledge base of where to focus that energy, right? And where to really put that energy. Uh, and even even at, uh, at the point where I met Ian, my mind was very fragile, right? I had a very fragile mind at that time. Um, very sensitive, very much attached to my own hurts, strips of hurt. Well, because this person did this, I am like this, right? Not taking responsibility for oneself because I wasn't cognitive enough yet. I just, I knew what I, I, you only know what you know, right? Life is like a layer of cakes and every layer, some are bitter layers, some are very sweet layers, but they're the layers that make your reality and how you make decisions in the future, right? Um, meeting Ian radically changed my humanity and existence. A, I got to see how he lives, right? Um, I didn't know for the first two years who he was or what he was, uh, 
And when I first saw his home, he had, I hope this is okay. I hope he doesn't get angry at me. Uh, but I, saw, he, I went to one of his homes in Emerald Bay and it was a, a $28 million home out of the cliffside. And I didn't understand, like I didn't fathom it. You know, I was like, what is this? You know, and, and that's kind of when I found it. He's like, uh, oh, you don't know this about me, but very nonchalant, right? And I like, I remember him saying like, what I like about you is that you don't treat me, you don't treat me any different because of who I am. And I was like, dude, I didn't know who you were. Like, this is nuts, you know, like this is, what is this? Right. And in that moment, like, you know, when you have those slight moments in life that just kind of stick in your mind, I realized the world is made very differently for different people. And this is an existence that exists and we're all capable of it, especially if you hear Larry Blair's, uh, Larry Blair's story, right? Uh, that's Larry there. Um, he's an incredible individual. He, he's a beautiful human being and he comes from a, a upstate New York where almost nothing, right? His home is very similar to the home that my mom was raised in, like nine, 11 brothers and sisters, like very tiny home, like survival mode. To see where he is now, he's so grounded and has a, such a humble heart because he has seen that trial and tribulation and now has the ability to share that and, and spread that which is beautiful and he has spread that to me through his son and through himself opening up their house their their heart etc right um, so beautiful family beautiful human beings but the Blair family really has helped me see the world through a different lens and shape my mind so there's where the journey probably started um, in their communication with me of like self hey it's not yeah, my emotions like your emotions aren't my responsibility if I say something it's your you're in charge of taking this positive content or negative content, right? Like if I say, hey, don't do that, you can either take it as, man, I'm flawed or I suck, I, I made a mistake, or you can say, man, this person's really helped me shape a different reality. Let me see what that path, where that path takes me, right? Um, so yeah, college, met him. We lived in a, in a house, in a mansion with 13 other guys. It was called the Mystery Mansion. Pretty wild. Uh, we all paid like, yeah, <laughs> who's nuts? Kendall. I don't know how that place did not burn down. Like, <laughs> like, absolutely nuts. Like the garage was full of rock climbing gear, surfing, snowboarding, camping. At the time I was uh, heavily into, into religion. Uh, and we just had like, uh, we had uh, uh, nights where we got together and talked about the Bible and philosophy and, and deep talks and went camping together and did adventures together. Um, it, was, it was quite an experience, one that really shaped me in, in a wild way. And that's where Ian actually started his company, BuildFire, uh, which is like one of the largest app building companies in the, in the world now or the US, uh, straight out of that dorm room. And we sold our first website together to Sukri, that Indian lady. Uh, sadly, I had, to, I had to take a different journey and uh, Ian went down the app journey. I had to make revenue. My mom, I didn't have the pleasure of going to college and not working. I not only worked, but I also gave my mom money at the time. So I, was, I wasn't just working for me. I was working like double, right, to try to make things a reality. During college, I'm, I'm proud enough to say that I was making like three to five grand a month at four jobs, right? Um, anyway, I digress. Um, uh, during that time, I, I, I met an individual that also shaped my life in an incredible way. His name is Alvaro Garcia. He's the largest franchisee uh, or franchisor in the U.S. for Jersey Mike's. Uh, owns like 400 units. Um, guy, a guy probably makes well over $4 million a month. Uh, incredible, incredible brain. Uh, and Alvaro really helped me shape uh, my reality in business acumen, right? When I worked with Alvaro, I got fired twice. Um, the first time was under one district manager. I created a, I created a, I won't even say his name because now uh, I don't know where he's at, right? Uh, but he, I remember being told like, hey, don't create, uh, don't do this fundraiser. And I ended up doing a fundraiser and that fundraiser uh, broke, uh, broke records, right? Like it did really, really well. Um, and he was very frustrated. And the person at the time, the marketing director at the time uh, took credit for it and he took credit for it. And I thought that wasn't okay. So I was like, hey, this is actually me, right? Like I did this, you know? Uh, and within that, uh, like I, I got let go insubordination, how could you, how dare you, so on and so forth. I can't work with this guy. Cool. Um, Alvaro calls me and he's like, hey, what happened? Like a guy from uh, Nicaragua. So we both speak Spanish. Uh, Hola, Alvaro, como te quiero? Te amo, hermano. Uh, like he's an incredible, incredibly funny guy. Uh, and his story is phenomenal too. I, I would love to introduce you at some point to him. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he called me and said, what happened? I told him and he said, okay, I'm going to put you in another district manager. 
worked under that district manager for a bit. And uh, again, same thing. I just could not be managed well, right? Like I was, I was always a poor person to be managed. It was hard to manage grief. Like, same for you. I could see that. Yeah. I'm super unemployable. <laughs> That's what I said. Because you're incredible, right? Like you have such a drive and a passion that you're like, we can do a lot here. And some people are like, stick to the system. And you're like, okay, but I think we can make the system better. And if you're not put in a place where you can make that impact, it's like, you feel limited, right? Like you feel choked. Like I can't breathe. I'm like, I need to do, you know, like I could do better here. Um, I could definitely see that in you. I could a hundred, I, you know, yeah, I could definitely see that in you. I don't like being contained. I think that's, I think that's a huge part of like, with the thing with entrepreneurship is you want to help more people grow and continue to give them opportunity. And if you can't, it's funny because you have the best intention to help the company, but it's like, you're not taking advantage of this, right? It's like that kind of like, I always say like kind of narrow-minded where you're like, you think so much more outside of the box, you know? Um, yeah. I'm giving you this opportunity, please take it. You know? Yeah, spatial thinking, right? Like bigger thinking, bigger bigger image thinking. I don't think people have that big picture mentality. Some people are so close to the issue that they can't see past it, right? Um, or the problem at hand. Um, yeah, Alvaro, Alvaro shaped my life incredibly after Steve, uh, uh, or the next gentleman, right, that I worked under, um, he was an absolute dumpster fire. The guy was like just a, a mess of a human being when it, when it came to leadership, in my opinion, right? He was good at what he did and I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from everybody that I've encountered, negative and positive, on how to be better or shape myself to be who I am today. Um, and from him, I also got let go. And Alvaro finally was like, I can't, how come I can't have you work under anybody? For the next six years, I worked directly under Alvaro and uh, working under him. I absolutely, my life absolutely exploded. For the first time, a entrepreneur or a business owner saw me and I worked directly for the business owner and he had a different mind. He understood that I was capable of a lot of great things, just not with, like, not with the people that are small-minded, right? I need to be with bigger-minded people that understand how to, how to motivate me and how to push me to my greatest potential. Through that time, I worked with uh, George Hernandez who also uh, owned franchises with uh, Alvaro. And um, yeah, I, 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 very, I created the, the way that the uh, US launches Jersey Mike's, right? So the way that they do all openings around the United States now is a process that I created. Uh, and again, all to change in the world, right? It was the equally advantageous triangle. Like there's a nonprofit, schools or, or community, and then the restaurant. How do you infiltrate all three at the same time, right? Well, altruism, right? If you give people the impression that you're pouring back into them, they want to pour back into you. So get back to the schools. The schools have a large population. You need population, you need traffic. So uh, go to the schools, make them have a competition, right? Ooh, from cutting checks for like $1,000, whatever what have you, to cutting like $10,000, $15,000 checks. So it was great. And to the point where our, uh, Peter Cancro, the CEO came out uh, to Fontana, I believe, or Los Angeles area and met with us and I got to explain to him what we do and how we created it. So it was a huge accomplishment for me. At that point, I realized like that, because um, I'm just doing it at this point, right? I'm just like that, 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 truck, 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 operating, operating. At that point, I realized um, I, imposter syndrome, like you said, right? Kind of started to set away. I was like, yo, this is, I can do things here, right? Um, and then now, and then at that point, it had been in my career four years. So the next two years, I also did a stint with Domino's Pizza along with Jersey Mike's, um, did fundraising for them. And then finally asked Alvaro if I could start my own company, right? Uh, and then in starting my own company, I stepped away, right? And I, I uh, launched my own, yeah, I launched uh, a raise marketing. So my first attempt at a marketing, and this is probably where the entrepreneurial mine kind of started. Actually, no, I lied. So during Jersey Mike's, um, uh, Alvaro needed people to put flyers on doors. So I hired teams of, uh, of uh, Spanish people from uh, Los Angeles, and they would come out. At the time, those people that hunt flyers for eight hours a day would get paid 20 to $40. I would pay them 60 to $80, so double that wage. Plus, I would feed them and give them a meal. At the time, I was living in Oceanside. Uh, uh, and I would drive early in the morning from Oceanside all the way to LA, get there by 4 a.m., uh, get the vans loaded with a, a lady that helped me and uh, take them to their destination. By 8 a.m. when I would start, I'd already had like a full half day, right? Uh, 
I'd start work, they would start doing flyers, I would be at Jersey Mike's, and then afterwards, uh, they would, <laughs> they would during lunch, finish their shift because they didn't like to walk in the sun, so they'd do it early morning. Um, and I put little trackers in their, uh, like little Fitbits inside their bags, so I knew where they were going, right? Because it's notorious of them throwing flyers away. So I would find out. And I remember one, one gentleman was like, I walked, I walked. And I was like, look, here's the app. It says that you were here for three hours. That's a park, but like, I don't care what you do. Just give me the flyers, right? There's like $10,000 worth of marketing material. I need the flyers back at least, you know? Um, finally, they'd admit it and I would just never work with them again. But I, got, I, I became known for being a guy that was very fair, just paid well. And on top of that, um, fed everybody, right? So that, that ended up being a, uh, a very big learning experience for me. So during lunch, I'd have my checkbook. This is like, this is a huge thing to fame for me, right? When I first got this for the first time, it blew my mind, right? Like this is when I, because I saw Alvaro would have this in his, uh, in his like, uh, inside of his uh, BMW 6 Series, right? And I was like, man, I want to cut checks one day. And when I started to cut checks, I was like, I'm doing that, right? Uh, so I would cut checks during lunch and hand people their uh, money and make sure everything was good. So while everyone else is like hanging out during lunch or taking a break, I'm literally still working. But lunch break is over, I'm back to it, right? Marketing, high energy, hey, let's help, let's bring people together, let's conflict resolve, let's, let's really be a team player, I roll up my sleeves. Uh, Peter Tanker one time said, hey, what I like about you is that you actually get, uh, you actually get in the into the weeds right where other people would just stand there you know the upper ends would like hmm, this is great and just stare at them work i would go back there roll up my sleeves and ruin my shoes my nice shoes my nice pants at the time i just got back there and i would just do the darn thing right so they saw that hey i'm no different from you i'm human we we both have job titles i just have a different title but if things get really heavy i'm gonna step in there with you right regardless um so Peter admired that, and I remember him stating that one time, and he's the owner of Jersey Mike's, right, uh, over in New Jersey. So it really, it really sat well with me, and it resonated. Um, and he, also at that time, I, I launched my own mobile car wash unit, so I bought vans, and there was a gentleman that had seven kids from Mexico, and his story really hit me. His name was Cruz. Um, and I wanted to help him. So in order to help him, I, I bought a van, and he worked at a car wash for tips only, but he couldn't feed his family. So I was like, I could, I could do something here. Uh, bought a pump, uh, bought a water container, uh, bought a uh, sprayer, uh, the soaps, everything for him. And then we split it. It was just an 80-20. He would keep 80%, I'd keep 20%. And he would just drive and, and wash cars and detail cars and just like fix them. Um, again, learning business, right? That, that ended up stealing from me, ended up taking money from me. Even the 20%, it just kind of killed me, right? They asked like, hey, I need more leads or I need more. It's like, run your own business, right? Again, wrong mindset. Uh, ended up having to get a friend from the CHP to show up at their house with me and uh, repo the, the vehicle back, right? Uh, <clears throat> we just showed up at the door, like two squad cars deep and was like, hey, this is happening whether you like it or not, right? Like this is going, right? The van was a wreck. Like there is, uh, there's like smashed window. Uh, <laughs> there was stuff everywhere. The kids drew on the inside. The inside. I was like, Ooh, what are you, man? You're like a, you're a head. Yeah, you're anyway, um, good intentions, but poor business acumen or savvy on my end. Right. And so I learned another lesson, uh, but phenomenal experience. My car was super clean all the time. Got into it like every week. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that season. Uh, Finally comes the Jersey Mike's, I leave and I become, I try to start my own business. So I actually start white labeling for Ian Blair. I started selling apps. Um, and I, I noticed that while uh, under Alvaro Garcia, he really taught me to be above and beyond, right? Uh, he said like, hey, I need you. I need you to go and talk to the mayor. I need you to go and talk to the city. And it really shaped me to have these conversations with these people that most people would go, oh God, you are, you know, you're like a big deal, right? Um, but rather I would go up to them and just, you're human. Like, what's up, dude? How are you? Like, let's talk, let's chat. So I made a bunch of mayor contacts, uh, launched all over Los Angeles and up in the Fresno area, Clovis. Uh, so I made a lot of great high level contacts and really uh, learned the acumen or the communication skills of people that are busy and at a higher level and what they're looking to accomplish and do, right? How to communicate with them. Um, mind boggling experience. And Alvaro had, a, Alvaro had a saying, anything outside of the result is an excuse. He would drill that in me. He'd be like, read, anything outside of the result is an excuse. 
You want to be a big, you want to be a, a big Joe or a little Joe, go get it done. Don't give me excuses, get it fucking done. Right. Um, it was very rough with me at times, but it really helped shape me. Right. I realized that it's up to me. Thanks to Ian. If someone tells me something, either I'm going to do better with it or I'm going to be hurt. Right. What do you want to do? Have a better life or be stuck in your emotions. Right. Um, so I, I learned, matter of fact, there's a, a one day we had to open a Whittier, uh, a Whittier store and in the Whittier store, uh, we didn't have gas or power. And it was the Tuesday or the Monday before the grand opening. Wednesday's when we opened at Jersey Mike's and Alvaro was like, I need you to go get this done right now. Go figure it out, figure it the fuck out, go. Right. And I remember going to city hall and being like, Hey, we need gas. And like, it's going to be three weeks out. Like, you know, very city ass, right? Like, I'm sorry. But you can go fuck off because we have systems and processes. You have to listen. And I'm like, dude, this sucks. No, like I need this. I, I was, I remember sitting there with the, uh, his name was Carlos Yato, amazing human being. And uh, I still friends with him. I played soccer with him. Cool guy who's gone golfing. Uh, I've hung out with his family. I grew a great relationship with him. Uh, but he came out in, in the city uh, office and I was like, look, I can't do anything about this. And I was like, okay how many employees do you have, right? And he's like, uh, here, like 30. No, I mean, all in, in the entire like city, how many? Like public workers, police, fire, everything. He's like, well, like 600 and something other. I was like, oh, okay. Well, it just so happens that on Tuesdays, we need to do a dry run for our employees to get them trained to be able to handle big rushes. And we make about 600 sandwiches. I would love to have your city come and help us out with that and really uh, train the staff. They're like, oh, that sounds great. I'm like, but the issue we're having is we need to have gas running. Do you think that there's a way for us to get gas in the morning? Uh, and this is after him saying no like 15 or 20 times to me, right? Uh, and he walked, he goes, give me a moment, walks back to his office, comes back out, and he goes, look, I know somebody at the gas company. They're going to do before their run start at 6 a.m. They're going to be there, have someone there, and they will turn on your gas, and I'll have someone there at 7 to approve the gas. But if they miss it, the three weeks, right? And like very serious, like, you got it, sir, you got it, you got it. Next day, we made 600 sandwiches for people. They came from the city everywhere. They took bags of sandwiches, but literally took what would have been a dumpster fire because we had like 15 grand worth of marketing material, 10 grand worth of marketing material. Would have had to push the date back three weeks to making it a reality. And Alvaro instilled that in me, right? He's like, go through a brick fucking wall, son. He's like, you get through it. There's a result on the other side. Your job is to figure out how to get to that result. I don't want to know anything else. I just want to know how you got to that result. Figure it out, right? Yeah, I think um, that's a big thing too with like entrepreneurship is like becoming a solutionist for just any, honestly, anything and everything. It's one of those things where you get really innovative, which obviously you've been through like so much that's gotten you to the point with where you at which has built you up as like human but also like in business you know and I think that's one of the things too is like communicating networking with people and honestly just building relationships too um I think it's one of those things where it's not always just looking at something as like a networking opportunity but also like building up a relationship with people too and craving what humans do which is connectivity with others um you know can really shape your reality as well as kind of like what you do and becoming a solutionist is one of those things which i feel like for you reap is definitely holds true is like you you're struggling with something and you're kind of like okay how can we fix this what can we do to make this easier in life um 100 right yeah yeah and it's so funny too because i know even with like the people i work with in my space with like the world of online coaching it's one of those things where it's like those people who are the solutionists and the innovators who are like this is so annoying. I can't fix this. I don't know how to do this. This is not working right. Who take like a little tidbit of information instead of like you said earlier, like working harder, like working all the time, but rather working smarter where they can find a more direct system or like solution for things it makes your life so much easier, you know? And that's like the cool thing I think about stepping into like entrepreneurship is it's kind of like a mindset shift where you're just kind of like, this pisses me off. I'm not dealing with this anymore, you know? 100%. I think I'm actually a pretty lazy individual, right? I'm trying to always get out of work and find that systems to make my life way easier, you know? Like, people are like, man, you're such a, like, it's almost difficult for me to communicate with people who aren't entrepreneurs, right? Or don't have that mindset because it's a different conversation. Instead of being like, 
um, hey, let's talk about a solution or resolution. They're very stuck in their like the pains, emotions, and they re repeat and they want you to feel what they're feeling. I'm like, I'm not interested in that. Actually, let's get past that. Let's just get straight to solution mode, right? Or like with any problem, like, uh, well, my company, da 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 da. And sometimes you need to vent. Totally fine. I understand that we're sapiens. We need to vent. But on the inverse, it's like as an entrepreneur, it shapes your mind to really, if you're doing it well, right, to really problem solve. And I see that in you too. I, I think I mentioned that once that we were talking. I was like, you just seem so like someone that find solutions like you're just like problem figure problem figure right and i think that's pretty cool um I'm, yeah that yeah i I'm, appreciate that. i'm low-key just as lazy like i'm just like, honestly that's my thing i'm just like it's either like i get really distracted and i can't find a solution and i'm like okay we need to do this girl i'm gonna keep getting distracted because i don't like yeah. doing this thing because here's the thing a lot of the times with entrepreneurship where i'm at is i'm like i don't like doing that thing so like you gotta figure out a way for me to not have to do that thing. Um, <laughs> honestly, even with me too, Reef, like that's kind of where how I've gotten to the point where I'm kind of at now is like honestly it's it's low-key just like my laziness, my easily distracted mind. <laughs> that's yes. we gotta figure this out, you know, which is also why I'm so grateful that you came into my life because now I'm like, okay, I can like focus on my zone of genius, which I think is so important for so many people to think about is like focusing yeah. more on their zone of genius, you know, for stepping into entrepreneurship and things like that. Um, Couldn't agree more. I think that, I think that is like, that's kind of the reason why the company came to be right. Is like having the time management and have, being able to buy back time, right. In a beautiful way. Like when I, when I had raised marketing and I launched it, um, I didn't have time. Like I really didn't have time. I created a marketing company. Right. And I just did not have that time. And I struggled as an entrepreneur, early entrepreneurship, trying to figure it out. I went door to door. I knocked on people's places. It being launching Jersey Mike's everywhere, I saw that in the Chamber of Commerces, there was a huge need for digital goods. Like no one had an idea what marketing was doing. Like I, I was literally part of that generation where there was a digital shift, right? There was the uh, people that were born into digital and people that were behind on digital. And the people that had the money, the older generations, didn't have the digital prowess of the youth. So they didn't know how to scale themselves. And they had like, the old mentality, not cognitive, very stuck in themselves. Like, if it's up to me, if it's up to me, it's up to me. Like, a lot of that mentality. And I remember selling apps for Ian. And it took me 11 customers of knocking on the door. People were like, I don't know what an app is. Like, I don't want an app. I don't need an app, you know? Uh, but I do need a website. And, and true to entrepreneurship, right? We figure out problems, but sometimes we have such tunnel vision. I was like, listen, if I build you a website, will you buy an app? I literally made myself do double the work for no reason, right? <laughs> I was so stuck on selling apps that it was like, if I get you this, will you do that? Um, and finally, by the 11th person, I was like, you know what? What if I just build you a website, right? That, so then Raise Marketing was born. I, I hired somebody, had them work with me, um, uh, got them together. And it, like in that moment too, I remember... I remember several portions, right? One was like starving. I was starving. I, I would I would Uber from 4 a.m. to 9 a.m. Um, and from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. I would work in an office that was a bedroom that had uh, no AC. I rented for $500. I have a picture I'll send it to you. Like there's a clothesline of bills, a big screen TV as a monitor, just a giant wood desk and a chair and then just papers everywhere because I was just trying to figure all this out, right? And like get leads and I would go through magazines and I would go through uh, penny savers. I would talk to anybody and everybody that I could get a hold of to sell marketing to. Uh, and then from 6 p.m. to like 10 or midnight, I would Uber, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eat, uh, whatever I could. On Fridays and Saturdays, I'd Uber to like four or five in the morning to make tips because it was LA. And the 4 a.m. runs were because it was LAX. You'd make like $45 a run to $80, so it was great money. Uh, and on Sundays, and it, it, on Fridays and Saturdays, I would have gum and uh, and Gatorades in the car because people were out partying. So I would sell it, right? I'd be like, hey, leave me an extra tip and just two more dollars in tip. Here you go. Yeah, cheeky, right? Cheeky. Um, and uh, on Sundays, I would actually go to the 99 cent store and I would buy sunscreens um, and I'd fill up a backpack and I'd go to the beach and sell them for 10 bucks a pop. So I'd walk around the sand and just be like, hey, here's the sunscreen. Remember people being like cheeky, right? They were like, well, I'll, I'll buy six for $40. I'm like, oh, you're breaking the bank, you know, six dollars. I'd make like $34. I'm like, here you go. And some people be like, this is highway robbery. I'm like, you walk, first off, convenience fee. If you walk across the sand here at Huntington Beach and all the way to CVS, it's like $18. Plus, I'm bringing that straight to you. You're lucky I'm not charging you 25 right? So suck it. Shut up and take it. 
right? So um, how do you feel about that's even like anything that you offer just in terms of where you're at in terms of like coaching, right? What we do with like we assist. It's one of those things where it's like, yo, I'm collapsing time for you. Buy <laughs> back time. You can't buy back time. You know. That's a hundred. That's. I think that's the biggest, the biggest currency we have is time, right? Like that's what I started to pick up during raise marketing is we would do a lot of work. Like the reason why we assist happened was during raise marketing. Uh, like people, I would do so much work for people marketing. I created like a, uh, competitor research. It would take me like three weeks to create this whole entire layout plus plan communication and then pitch it to them. And it was always a, well, like I, I was more appeasing egos than anything else. Right. They're like, I understand I need to do Facebook ads, but I think, I think my website needs work. I'm like, well, the website's not going to bring you customers or revenue. Yeah. But if they see my website, I was like, but how are they going to see your website? I don't know. But I like, if you build it, they will come. Right. Uh, so I started appeasing egos and again, true to the same thing as the app. And that's why I tell the app portion, it took 11 customers to figure out that the true product was in Sheila, right? Um, Sheila had Sheila took me a while to figure out. I, I had to hire nine outsourced professionals before I really got Sheila squared down, right? Um, it was hard. People stole money from me. People tried to take my passwords. People got on my account and locked me out. I, I, I spent a lot of money and time trying to figure out what an outsourced professional or how to operate with outsourced professionals, right? And a lot of pain and struggle. Well, Sheila was doing such a great job. I'd have a presentation and be like, here's this, this, and that. Sheila, can you bring up that doc? Thank you. That, that, and this. Hey, Sheila, could you help me with this? Hey, Sheila, can you make a note of that? Hey, Sheila, can you send an email after this? Um, that people were like, man, I need a Sheila, right? And I'd be like, I can't sell Sheila. Sheila's not for sale. Like, stop it. You know, like, this is not, no, right? Um, again, blinders like entrepreneurship. By the 11th customer, when they were like, I can feel the energy in the room, they were turning me down for uh, marketing again. And I was like, God, this sucks, you know? Like, this is horrible. And they mentioned Sheila. And I was like, if I could find you a Sheila, would you pay for a Sheila? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Could you? Please. <laughs> right. Model done there, right? Uh, at, that, at that moment, I realized that I had a business model. That alone is its own business and its own company. Um, so I, I, I got my first VA into the system, right? For a buddy of mine called, uh, by the name of Michael Soup. He has a, uh, a great uh, finance company where he helps people. Um, I think it's uh, Deep Sky. Uh, he'll help people with their finances, outsource finance, uh, 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 CFO, chief financial officer. So pretty cool guy. Um, has a really nice McLaren too, blue. Hey, Michael, shout out to you. Beauty, uh, Mike Sue. Uh, so yeah, that at that moment was my first. Then Ian and some other friends in corporate America got seven, nine at a time, three at a time. I was like, wow, customer service representatives, a whole bit, right? And it was all about buying back time, like you said, and to the point, right? Um, buying back time is key to success, right? Like that is really where uh, success comes in, right? And I, I like being able to outsource yourself and go from a solopreneur to an entrepreneur is a big shift. It's a radical mental shift. Because uh, you're literally going from, I can do this, I can do everything, to how do I figure out these processes and systems to buy back time so that I can do the things that are most important, right? Uh, at the time, I, I, this was just literally last September, the things that happened so quick, right? September 9th, um, Ryan Bentcourt, Mike Camo, uh, and Neil Patel decided to bring me on to do business development for uh, uh, two software companies, Hello Barn subscribers, and imposter syndrome. I was like, I'm not ready, I can't do this. Uh, and they took a chance on me and trusted me, right? And I was very honest with Ryan. Ryan Bancourt's an incredible uh, human being. He's, uh, he launched and sold Spoutable. I don't know if that's a, a very large company for uh, those that don't know. Uh, and then Mike Camo is the CEO uh, and founder of Neil Patel Digital, Neil Patel Excel, phenomenal human being, uh, very smart guy great mind one of the best negotiators i've ever met on this planet uh, and then neil patel i mean the man that needs no introduction right neil patel is an absolute savant like and i think getting to know him like on a personal level having communication with him one of the things that i admire most about ian is how he loves right ian loves very similar to how neil loves they're very direct on buying back time they have let me realize that when you sit down and you have a $600 consultation for an hour, you are very quick to the point and you're as direct as possible. And that means true love because they're saving you time. They're being efficient with your time. They're telling you directly, you suck at this, fix it. Other people are like, <laughs> I don't suck, right? And uh, a sharper mind or a more cognitive or emotional intelligent mind goes, how so? 
right? Like, <laughs> let me ask some more questions. What makes you, what, how did you derive that, right? Um, so yeah, phenomenal people. Uh, so started doing BD for them. And within that, let go of my agency because of conflict of interest, of course. But I saw the potential in helping people source outsource professionals to buy back time because I had done it so well. And even Sheila helped me out. During that time, I was moving. She helped me do a bunch of stuff while I was moving. Like Sheila helped me buy flowers for my mom for Mother's Day, for her birthday, gifts. Uh, like it, just an absolute teammate uh, that was there for me, right? That like she was there to build with me. Uh, and okay. true to that point. I, have to Go say, I do have a call in like two more minutes, but can I ask you, can we literally, I feel like we have to create like a whole entire series on this because I want to talk about the entirety of we assist and like the outsourcing portion of it because I feel like sure. there's so much we can forever talk about. With, with we'll, this. So, we'll, we'll do section one was my story. We'll just end it there. Yeah. Is that Sorry, but I can't wait to tell people more about like buying back time with we assist because I feel like honestly it needs its own rendition because it's literally so amazing with everything but Reef, your story is like literally so incredible getting to the point where you now are able to help other people and give your wisdom knowledge and energy more than anything um so what can we have a follow-up episode with this like this is too, this is like so much knowledge and wisdom i'm <laughs> like so grateful um I'm cool. I'm I, I have a quick question for you just before like you know we have to we have to exit here but you know, my podcast is called the Strive for Strength podcast, right? And obviously, you have kind of turned your past story into something and rewritten it to a thing that's honestly so beautiful. If you can just leave the audience, even just coming from your story with like one tidbit of like what they can take away to hop into their journey, like what would that one one tip be? Um, I think it'd be uh, a series of tips. Is that okay? Maybe just a real quick. Okay. I think, I think uh, partially is... Uh, don't be afraid to explore into your own mind. Ask deeper questions of the things around you. Make great choices and find a principle set for your choices to create the reality you want, right? Your, ne your North Star, your guiding star, if you will. Choose the right people to be within your circle, right? And then beyond that, then you can start doing a deep exploration into self. Find out who and why you operate the way you do. The best investment you can do is self. Read a book a week. Um, get on uh, Audible, read it. After you finish the Audible, uh, take down uh, three YouTubes, watch it on that same content so you get it from different perspectives, and then uh, read some Spark Notes. Beyond that, put the Netflix down and pick up documentaries and pick up uh, content on YouTube. There's no time like now in the history of man as sapiens where we have the ability to have every answer in the known universe in our pockets. That's radically revolutionary and evolutionary for this human sapien. It's a beautiful experience to be able to ask a question and have it. Before we, we, we hypothesized or assumed, right? Well, maybe it's a sun god. Now we can literally go into a phone and be like, Google, what is this? And get an answer directly. Uh, so I think search, seek, ask questions, and don't just assume. Become a person that's a professional Googler. Just start learning and learning and learning and learning until you figure out and you feel like you have an understanding of that to the point where you can teach it on to somebody else and then move on to the next topic and then grow that huge chest of data and knowledge that becomes yours. And the one thing we have on this planet that no one could take away from us is our perspective and our knowledge. We could be robbed, we could be raped, we could be taken advantage of, they could burn down your entire house, but the one thing nobody could take from you that's actually yours and only yours is your perspective on life and how you operate. That is yours and yours to keep alone and truly something we own, nothing else we own. Money doesn't exist, stuff burns, everything goes. Your perspective is the only thing you own. Yeah. Well, Reef, we have to follow up with this. There's just so much to give. I appreciate you so much just coming on here and sharing your story and inspiring my audience and just connecting with us. So I appreciate it. I'm sure I'll see you, talk to you. Grateful that you were on here and uh, I can't wait to follow up with you. Yeah, text me. Uh, we'll chat. Hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Kill it and go.